Sam was convening private dinners, private gatherings with friends and tech and politics, trying to investigate kind of the question we're talking now, which is, is there somebody better than Joe Biden to beat Donald Trump? Welcome to the Powers That Be Daily, Puck's podcast focused on the intersection of Wall Street, Washington, Silicon Valley, and Hollywood, and the players who run it all. I'm Peter Hamby. It's Wednesday, November 15th. Today, I'm joined by Teddy Schleifer to talk about a curious political romance. OpenAI founder Sam Altman, the wealthy tech investor, has developed an interest in Joe Biden's long-shot presidential challenger, Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips. I asked Teddy the obvious question, why? And later, Bill Cohen and Ben discuss the latest moves behind hedge fund activist Nelson Peltz's multi-billion dollar bet on Disney. We'll discuss all that and much, much more on today's episode of The Powers That Be. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Welcome to the powers that be. I'm joined today by Teddy Schleifer to talk about an unusual development in the Democratic presidential race or the theoretical Democratic presidential race that's going on. Yes, President Biden does have a couple primary challengers. One, Marianne Williamson, probably not going to be the nominee. The other, Dean Phillips, also probably not going to be the nominee, but certainly somebody who's getting a little more media attention. And he has some more money. Teddy, it was really interesting reading the Stratosphere, your piece about this. It sounds like Sam Altman is really interested in Dean Phillips. First of all, who is Sam Altman? Uh, I mean, I think most people listening to this know. But also, like, why would he be into Dean Phillips? You know, I, I would have thought most people know who Sam Altman was, and I think most uh, Puck subscribers do. But it's worth marinating on the fact that this is a guy who uh, went from Silicon Valley or business world famous to, like, real world famous over the last year. Um, I was looking at kind of Google search trends. It was kind of fun just because you think the guy is overcovered and overexposed, but because of ChatGPT and um, the rise of OpenAI, um, he is a real world celebrity. And he is also somebody who has kind of a gravitational pull in the business community because of OpenAI's success. So when he starts saying, telling people and, and telling uh, his friends in business that Dean Phillips is worth taking seriously, you can be sure that that's interesting to me and that should be concerning to the Joe Biden camp. Sam, over the last couple of weeks, has started getting very excited as he is an excitable guy, very excited about the Phillips campaign. So much so that now, two Fridays ago, Dean Phillips showed up at Sam Altman's door in San Francisco and they had sort of a strategy session where they talked about the best way to beat Joe Biden. Sam has not committed to anything yet I would not be surprised to see a major donation to the Dean Phillips Super PAC that is being set up as we record this. The Steve Schmidt run Super PAC, is that right? Correct. Correct. 
Steve Schmidt, the former McCain advisor turned never Trumper, is now advising Dean Phillips' presidential bid. I talked to him when I wrote about Dean Phillips a couple weeks ago for Puck. And it seems like, and you had some of this reporting, Schmidt will be leaving Dean Phillips, that campaign, which it should be said, Dean Phillips is posting up in New Hampshire. They're claiming to, they're also going to hunt for delegates in South Carolina and Michigan, the other other two big primary states. But he's not really showing up in the polls yet, and we can get into why. Anyway, Schmidt is leaving the campaign, which started a few weeks ago to run the Super PAC. Teddy, you reported that they're bringing in Andrew Yang's former campaign manager to run the day-to-day show. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Uh, Zach Grauman. Yeah. It's clearly going to be like money to to pay for these people. Um, like I do not think that is purely a uh, a nuisance. Like if, if he if Altman you know kind of puts up five million bucks and they start you know airing ads in New Hampshire, like you know, and, uh, it could be pretty embarrassing. This is more than a Marianne Williamson, more than a gadfly. I mean, he's a sitting member of Congress. I'm not saying he's a Democratic nominee, but the mm-hmm. fact that he has real operatives and real money behind him, you know, you can add one plus one. Why do you think Sam Altman is interested in Dean Phillips? Because Phillips has, his whole brand in this race is, I'm a moderate, like I'm I'm a centrist. When I interviewed him a few weeks ago, he was like, I'm gonna put Republicans in my cabinet. You know, the parties don't work together anymore. I wanna work for Republicans and do some Republican things along with some Democratic things. Doesn't really sound like the kind of person running a primary challenge against a sitting Democratic president. You know, you would think that person would run from the left. He's not. He's just saying, I am a centrist, down-the-middle guy. I'm just younger than Joe Biden, and Joe Biden's going to lose, and we need someone younger. And he's also saying, I want other people to come in the race with me. He's like, I want Gretchen Whitmer to run. I want J.B. Pritzker to run. Like, what are Sam Altman's politics? Like, and why would he be into Dean Phillips? Because when you think about these tech people, uh, like the tech billionaire class, They are either one of two things, a rebellious, contrarian, libertarian type, (laughs) like your Peter Thiel, or, you know, a kind of like post-Obama, not super interested in like democratic politics really, but kind of like, eh, politics isn't really working. Like we need, we need like someone more visionary. Like it doesn't, doesn't feel like Dean Phillips, a house backbencher is the kind of person that, you know, a tech titan would be all in on. Sam, in 2022, when Biden was, you know, struggling to kind of get his landmark bills passed, you know, there was at that point a lot of uncertainty about whether or not Biden would even run, um, mm-hmm. fair or not. Sam was actually already working on a Biden alternative. Sam was convening like private dinners, private gatherings with friends and tech and politics trying to investigate kind of the question we're talking about now, which is, is there somebody better than Joe Biden to beat Donald Trump? He even paid for focus groups and for polling, thinking that he could fix the problem. I mean, certainly there's a little bit of ego in that, but it just shows you why Sam has ended up uh, in the Phillips camp. It's like he didn't want Dean Phillips. He wanted, it's like Gretchen Whitmer or, you know, J.B. Pritzker, but because he was convinced that Biden could not win. It was a necessity that he'd be get behind Dean Phillips because Dean Phillips is the only shot he has to dethrone Joe Biden in the Democratic primary. I don't think Sam Altman knew who Dean Phillips was, you know, as of October 23. And so I've been reflecting kind of and talking to some people about what what Sam was looking for in these kind of 2022 meetings. And the politics were basically about Trump. 
And obviously, there are a lot of Democrats that are now in um, concerns that Biden cannot be Trump, which makes Sam's 2022 uh, concerns prescient. Uh, and fortunately for him, he's been left with this backbench, you know, gelato uh, air. Uh, but <laughs> sometimes you got to deal with what you got. And what he's got is Dean Phillips at his house on Friday in San Francisco. Uh, yes, that would be Talenti gelato for people who don't know that Dean Phillips has, has a net worth of over $70 million in part because he ran Talenti gelato. Uh, Teddy, thanks for the intel, buddy. Talk to you next time. Everyone out there, please go sign up for the Stratosphere. Teddy continues to, by the way, break news tidbits and big news that other uh, news outlets just published without attribution. Shame, shame, shame on you. You usually hear it here, hear it first in the stratosphere by Teddy. Anyway, buddy, I'm looking out for you. Thanks. You bet. When we come back, Bill Cohan is here to talk about Nelson Peltz. Hey, Powers That Be listeners, I'm here to tell you that there's no reason to panic the next time you're searching for the perfect gift. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you a curated list of gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. I use Etsy all the time and have for years. I bought my brother some artwork. I bought my wife some jewelry. I even bought a rug for our living room on Etsy. I love it. But there's a lot of pressure around gifting. I usually have a hard time thinking of gift ideas for friends and family members around the holidays or birthdays in my life. And sometimes I get super stressed trying to find the perfect thing. But now with gift mode on Etsy, I can search hundreds of gifting personas and find so many incredible items. And I actually just found the perfect gift for a buddy who's just as into Cincinnati sports as I am, a hot cup of Joe, Joe Burrow mug. That's right, I found that on Etsy, it's amazing. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic, try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody. I'm Ben Landy, joined on this fine Wednesday by Bill Cohan. Hey, Bill. Hey, Ben. Great to see you as always. Always. All right, Bill, I wanted to have you on because, uh, well, we missed you, first of all. But also, I wanted to get your latest thinking on what is going on at Disney. Um, last week, Bob Iger reported the company's last quarterly earnings, and um, the number seemed pretty good. Uh, the stock is up a bit. Wall Street seems to think maybe things are on a better track. Maybe things have turned a corner. What is your read on the situation? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, on, 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 you know, on Tuesday, uh, the market kind of exploded because of the uh, relatively low inflation numbers, and that certainly lifted most stocks 
uh, including Disney. So, you know, to me, the big, you know, the big question is, okay, they reported their first quarter earnings. They reported uh, their full year earnings because their fiscal year is not the same as the calendar year. And they've got, you know, Nelson Pelt sort of hovering uh, out there on the other side of, uh, uh, you know, of the 405, uh, you know, back here in, in New York, uh, you know, what's Nelson going to do? Is he, you know, his, you know, he's uh, increased his $900 million stake in Disney to two and a half billion. He's got 30 million shares now. He's, um, you know, last year started, actually started a proxy fight to try to get a board seat and then uh, shut it down before the actual vote. Claims he got what he wanted uh, from Iger. Uh, Maybe he was going to lose. So uh, he decided not to go forward with it. So now the question is what, you know, what is he going to do? He's obviously nearly tripled his stake in the company. Uh, I suspect he's, you know, probably roughly, roughly making a little bit of money here and there at this point. He's asked for two board seats now. And, you know, how's the company doing? Uh, well, I noticed that, uh, you know, Iger seems to be throwing uh, Pelts a few bones, even though he didn't say that directly. Um, he decided he was going to increase the cost cutting from the five and a half billion that he promised Pelts at the beginning of the year to now like something like seven and a half billion. So he's added two billion more of cost cuts. He did promise or, or expect that uh, the dividend was going to be reinstated by the end of the year. He reiterated that the other day. So I, I think those are kind of like two uh, bones that he threw to um, Nelson Peltz, uh, you know, whether subtly or not. You know, is that going to do it for Nelson or, or is Nelson going to keep moving forward until he gets what he wants, which is, you know, at least one and or two board seats? You know, beyond that, I think Disney still still got problems. I mean, uh, on the one hand, uh, you know, it's uh, theme park business is doing fine slash great. Uh, ESPN had a good fourth quarter, but you know, we're not talking about a growth situation there. Maybe they've stemmed the decline somewhat, but you know, that clearly is not over in terms of you know, can they make the transition to digital? They're in the negotiations now to buy the Comcast one-third stake in Hulu. But then, you know, then you got this, uh, you know, movie release uh, from Marvel that Iger was slap-happy about during the earnings that turned out to be, you know, a freaking disaster, if I may use those words. They spent $200 million on this thing, uh, the Marvels or whatever the hell that is, and it brought in about $46 million at the box office over the first weekend. So he certainly hasn't solved the problem of uh, the content, which is, of course, the most important thing Disney does, you know, because it is like an octopus that gets its tentacles into the whole rest of the company. And until that is that ships, those ships are righted, all whatever, five or six different uh, content ships that they've got, you know, the rest of the company just doesn't operate as well. So so on the plus side, you know, uh, the losses have seems to have gone down at, at Disney Plus. Uh, ESPN seems to have, uh, you know, had a good fourth quarter. You got to give credit for that. And, you know, the stock is getting, you know, getting a little a little movement upward finally. 
but you know he still has an unresolved issue with uh, major league unresolved issue with Nelson Peltz. Yeah, Disney has so many problems, uh, like a lot of streaming companies these days. I mean, all of Hollywood has been hurting, uh, not just with the the strikes, which were only just recently resolved, but the entire streaming business uh, has been a real headache for everybody to figure out. And Disney has done just about as poorly as anyone. But Bill, just to, to drill down on this issue with Nelson Peltz and what he wants out of the company, you said, you know, the stock's up a bit since he last bought in and built up the stake. He's made some profit. That's got to make him happy. How important do you think it is to him that he actually gets those seats versus seeing some of the other things he wants, like uh, return to profitability, getting the costs down, figuring out what to do with Hulu, et cetera? I mean, uh, you know, people say, oh, uh, you know, Nelson Peltz doesn't know anything about media, so uh, he shouldn't have a board seat. Uh, you know, I laugh, uh, frankly, when I when I hear that, because first of all, he's got probably, you know, two and a half billion more uh, invested in Disney than the rest of the board combined. Uh, that's an exaggeration, of course. I don't think that's actually the math, but it's pretty pretty close. Uh, these other board members who are, you know, supposedly media savvy but have no skin in the game, uh, you know, give me a break. Look, Nelson Peltz, you know, is a guy who the smiling crocodile, as Jeff Immelt once called him, he, you know, he he won't stop till he gets what he wants. If he were satisfied uh, with, you know, what he got when he dropped the proxy fight round one, he wouldn't have come back into it and tripled his stake in the company. So uh, now he's gone from asking for one board seat to asking for two board seats. He should get what he he wants. I mean, maybe he'll settle for one board seat. Uh, you know, in, in GE, he had a $2.5 billion investment. He got one board seat. He's got this large investment in Disney. Um, you know, I, I really don't know how uh, Iger can say no to that. Now, uh, he can say no, and then they can actually put the proxy statement together and have a proxy fight, and the stock might be at a low enough level at this point that he could uh, win that and get what he wants. Uh, and that's not a good uh, going to be a good thing for Iger uh, either. So, you know, this business that Nelson Peltz doesn't know media, okay— Look, uh, I assure you, whether it's his son or somebody else at, at Tryon, they know enough about Disney's uh, operations. They've studied it sufficiently. Uh, I'm told there's like a white paper kind of in the works like that they do. So that's just one of these ridiculous claims that people make uh, when they don't know what they're talking about. Bill, before I let you go, what's the latest you're hearing or, or thinking about the possible spin or, or sale of ABC? Because that was something that Iger obviously flagged, something that was pretty important to him a number of months ago, that he wanted to get this thing off the balance sheet. I mean, you were saying before, the linear TV divisions are not doing great. ESPN generating a lot of money, sure, but all of it is making less and less money every single year. We know that Iger did get at least one offer for ABC and some of its sister networks for around $10 billion. Doesn't seem like Iger was ready to go for that, probably looking for more money. Do you think that with Disney improving its numbers a little bit in this most recent quarter that some of that pressure is off? Or does Wall Street and guys like Peltz really want to see this thing off the balance sheet? You know, I don't think Nelson has really, uh, I don't recall, has really said anything about wanting to shed ABC. I think, you know, that was something that Iger mentioned, and probably rightly so, at uh, the Sun Valley Allen & Company conference uh, over the summer, which I'm sure shocked the people, you know, on West 66th Street 
uh, here in New York. You know, during the analyst call the other day, all he said about it was, uh, you know, how how proud he is of uh, ABC and uh, how hard they're working as journalists and you know, World News Tonight is like, you know, number one or something. Uh, and then he didn't say anything about it through the whole rest of the uh, analyst call. So he's obviously rejected the offer from Byron. Uh, and so, you know, rejected that $10 billion offer. Byron said he wasn't, uh, he didn't think Iagra was ready to sell it. I mean, I think that part of the problem, Ben, is that linear ABC as we know, is pretty closely tied to linear ESPN, kind of tied at the hip and extracting one from the other, probably uh, Iger realizes now is, you know, much harder than he thought it might be. You know, does that mean they sync together? It could, could mean that. Uh, if Jimmy Patero is able to, you know, make the leap across the digital divide with ESPN. Maybe they can figure out a way to bring ABC along with that. It's still obviously generating a fair amount of, you know, cash flow in EBITDA, which is nice, but it's all, you know, it's declining. Uh, ABC, I mean, ESPN now has made about $3 billion of EBITDA for the last two years. I think it's, uh, he's decided that it's a lot harder to disentangle, you know, unscramble that egg that's ESPN, ABC, and uh, affiliates and the the other businesses that, that are the linear TV offerings that, you know, a Disney has uh, to really extract that and, and make it a separate company, you know, without kind of spinning them both off together kind of thing, which was another idea uh, that I was sort of floating around. I think, and, and Iger, you know, keeps saying how much he loves you know, live sports and the live sports business. So, uh, you know, and we know that, uh, you know, ABC is carrying a lot of live sports uh, sort of simulcast with ESPN or in partnership with ESPN. I think uh looks like uh, ABC is around to stay unless uh, there's a big, big, big offer for it. Yeah, we'll see if Byron comes back with a higher offer or somebody else does. Obviously, the uh, the value of that whole package of uh, linear TV networks is probably declining every year. So uh, maybe Iger ought to just uh, say yes while he can. But um, Bill, thanks so much for coming by. Got to leave it there. Always great talking to you. Stay safe. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of The Powers That Be. As a reminder, The Powers That Be is the official podcast of Puck. We'd like to thank Ben Landy, Liz Goff, and Alex Bigler for their editorial and production guidance. If you like what you hear, please share with a friend. It really helps us keep delivering the inside scoop that only Puck can offer. Follow us on Twitter at Puck News. I'm Ben Landy. See you tomorrow. This has been a presentation of Odyssey. Please listen, rate, review, and follow all episodes wherever you get your podcasts. The Powers That Be Daily is executive produced by John Kelly, co-founder of Puck, Bob Tabador, and Ben Landy, executive editor at Puck.